Hi, and welcome back to What is Qualitative Anyway with me, Vicki. So right now we're going to look at Chapter 6 of our Qualitative Research Methods book. It's Ethnographic Field Strategies. Uh, so to begin, the chapter starts by discussing what is ethnographic field research. Um, there's a part in the beginning where it says many of the different terms that are used to describe it really just amount to little more than termolo terminological preferences because uh, there's just so many different terms um, definitions for it there's you know someone said the study of culture um, aiming to understand another way of life from the native point of view another one is simply just the written accounts of observations um, and then there was also a part where it discussed street ethnography or urban ethnography which I kind of was interested in that one um, studying you know more illicit or maybe taboo um, situations, but from there it goes on to discuss um, accessing a field setting, getting in. Um, so I think that was a major part that we discussed in our uh, class as well. Um, you want to be familiar with what you're doing and know the settings that you're going to have to go into, whether you're going to have access to them or not, because there is always the problem of getting in, and it should be, as it states, addressed during the design stage of the research, because if you can't get into what you need to research, then there really is no point in continuing how I see it. Um, it is mentioned that someone says they summed up this uh, issue as, it is not what you know, but who you know. And I think that's true. Uh, we discussed in class um, gatekeepers, which is mentioned in negotiating the researcher's role. There's going to be gatekeeper, gatekeepers who can either deny or grant you access into a setting. Um, if you have issues with them, then you're probably not going to get in. So that's definitely an important part. Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump. This is a pretty long chapter. Uh, it jumps into becoming invisible, which is an important part to the research. It mentions the Hawthorne effect, where people may react to the very presence of the researcher. Um, so you want it to, I think, a more skilled um, researcher will know how to become invisible. Uh, it's the ability to be present in the setting, to see what's going on without being observed, and consequently to capture the essence of the setting and participants without influencing them. So you want to be able to be there but not be a part of it, to be able to observe and kind of just blend in. So from there it goes on to discuss the dangers of invisibility, uh, intentional misidentification, accidental misidentification, learning more than you want to know, certificates of confidentiality. I think the one I'll touch on is intentional misidentification, which I thought was interesting. There was a Rosenhan uh, project that they did where the researchers went into a psychiatric hospital and acted as if they were having mental episodes so they could get admitted. They did get admitted and got to see all the procedures with the doctors and the nurses, but once it came to letting them know, hey, I'm not having any issues, I mean, how do they know that they're not actually having issues? You came in here acting like you do. Are you trying to trick us so you can get out? Um, so you want to also prepare yourself for that situation if you're going to be doing something like that. I thought that was interesting um, how they had to try to, you know, go backwards from there. It jumps into watching, listening, and learning. Um, 
ideally you can go into a setting and maybe have somebody come and, and let you know you know, hey, this is what typically goes on. These are the people that are normally here. It mentions that, you know, maybe in police investigations uh, that might happen on a TV show, but that doesn't necessarily happen in real life. There aren't people there that just kind of come up to you and give you the, the lowdown on the area. Um, a lot of it is patiently waiting. And um, there's a few main points on that. Taking in the physical setting, which think it's pretty self-explanatory just kind of getting yourself familiar with your setting developing relationships with inhabitants um, they aren't necessarily part of your research but maybe having a guide someone um, that is kind of your confidant if something goes wrong can kind of vouch for you being in the area um, tracking observing eavesdropping and asking questions pretty self-explanatory locating subgroups and stars here it's more about finding those central figures the stars maybe people that are always there they interact with most of the people um, and that kind of ties into when I did my own ethnographic uh, observations at the library I noticed the older people that were there greeted everyone that worked there um, had their own spots that they directly went to on both occasions that I did um, some observations. They were very familiar with the area, kind of had their own seats, told everyone hi. So they were definitely the central figures of those two days that I observed um, from about 10 to 2.30. From here with field notes, uh, it's discussing, you know, how best to gather your notes, remember them, um, verbal exchanges, practices, connections between and among people. Um, one thing I wanted to go over that would be helpful in my uh, observation or interviews that I'll be doing is how best to take the notes uh, before and after. Um, record keywords and key phrases while in the field. You can still use that you know, in the interview session. Um, make notes about the sequence of events. So maybe if there's a certain thing that's said, recording what was said before, at the time and after to kind of get a, a better overall picture of it later on you can kind of replay it in your mind better limit the time you remain in the setting I think that definitely applies to the interview you don't want to sit in the interview for too long make it go on too long if the participants aren't feeling a certain question don't push it kind of just move on go with the flow write the full notes immediately after exiting the field I definitely agree with that it's very important to just write your notes and it kind of ties into the next one where it says get your notes written before sharing them with others you definitely want to just put all your notes down get it all together while it's fresh in your mind don't talk to others about it because then it may kind of alter what your thoughts are on it uh, so you just want to stick to what you heard what you remember directly after and I think that's definitely helpful. From here, it moves on to kind of the analysis, strategies, uh, typologies, sociograms, metaphors. I think one thing I recognized in my ethnographic um, observations that I did at the library was um, typology. There were, I did see on those two occasions, a group uh, that were the same type. The older gentlemen that were there prior to the library opening at 10 a.m. they were waiting in line they were all speaking to each other they all went to their seats told everyone hi so there were definitely uh, that was one type of group there two of them went to their seats at the computer listened to older music they had old style like Walkman headphones on which I thought was cool uh, and they just listened to old music the other 
two gentlemen went and sat on one sat at the table one sat on the couch type seat and they just grabbed the newspapers and sat there and read um and that is what they did on both occasions on both days that i went and then there were the moms there were different moms that came on on each of those days but they all kind of did the same thing they noticed they let their kids run around a little bit um but the kids weren't acting really crazy or anything um they were just kind of running around looking at books and everybody was kind of familiar with that like nobody was having a problem with it which i really liked um the moms weren't on their phones i noticed that they were really engaged with their children they were still watching them as they were kind of walking around or running around the center uh, and then they went to their little area in the children's section read books talked to one another they were really engaged with each other um, and i i really liked that um, but those were two different in my mind i remember thinking oh this kind of this little group and that little group and then reading the chapter about typologies and kind of see that distinction and that classification of those two groups from here i'll move on to disengaging getting out that is something that i remember uh being discussed in our course in class you don't want to just leave you want to kind of set the tone create a conclusion a happy ending is what i thought in my mind um, because you are sharing people are sharing their lives with you even if they don't know like people at the library they didn't know that i was doing that you know that i was just recording my notes but i made sure to record them you know write them down somewhere where i could remember to get back to them and then just kind of shred it um not making too much of like hearing what their names were i wasn't trying to do all that i just wanted to kind of see how they were acting not so much eavesdrop on their conversation so i was trying to be respectful of that because i did feel a little awkward doing it um but the book mentions um towards the the end researchers must prepare both the community and the members and themselves for the exit it mentions this street corner um society with william foot white where he acknowledges that hindsight you know he did really project himself into that uh, observation into that setting and that investigation and afterwards writing the book not really realizing that these were people's lives and you know did you get permission to do that you know i think it said one of the sons came back and said hey you know we didn't get any money for that and you now this book is used you know for textbook for research um so i thought that was something really to look back and reflect on you know how are you how are you honoring these people's lives, you know, looking at it more sociologically, like what are you doing? What implications could you be causing to them um, that you don't even see maybe down the line? Um, from there, it moves on to reflexivity and ethnography. I was kind of, I read a couple times because I was wanting to really kind of understand it. I get the gist of it as far as reflecting on what you're, you're hearing in that moment. Um, it mentions the research what the kind of looking at your internal dialogue and repeatedly examining what the researcher knows and how the researcher came to know this you want to remember that it's not about you and what you're thinking is how i took it it's about the setting that you're in what what is happening within that setting within the individuals the participants um rather than what are you gaining from it like what are you learning it's more about what is happening here what is being taught here what is in the moment um but i thought that was interesting i definitely have to reflect on that again because i was having a little bit of trouble putting that together in my mind um 
on what they were trying to say. From here, uh, it moves on to critical ethnography. I think, you know, it's very important um, as far as it's more about challenging things, the status quo, the power structures. So this is more about causing change um, rather than just kind of sitting and observing. Um, and then from here, we're at the end of the chapter, it talks about why it works, why it fails. You know, it can work because it can be because you're in some someone's natural habitat you're in there in their space rather than being in a lab you know or in a study group you know or in a in a room with these participants things can kind of shift and become what maybe a lead speaker is mentioning people may go with that flow rather than it being a natural flow, uh, it, like if you're doing, you know, focus group, but being in a natural setting and kind of just watching and not being a part of it, not speaking, just being there in the moment, you can see things more naturally, you can reflect on it, like the chapter mentioned. Um, and then it mentions why it fails. I think one main thing is it is very tedious. It takes time to do this patience. Um, sometimes you may not get the information that you wanted. Uh, and it may require multiple attempts or maybe you can't get into the setting the, the institution you know that you're wanting to get into so all of those things are things to reflect on but to kind of just reflect on it personally you know going back looking at it social sociologically using my imagination trying to tap into that i can see how depending on the setting that you're in um, the larger institutions there, like if you're in the psychiatric hospital or a prison, um, the participants, you know, whether they know that they're being observed or not, may act a certain way depending on that larger institution that is surrounding them. You know, patients may try to act a certain way so that way they don't have to take, you know, more pills or something, you know, oh, well, they're acting crazy, we need to do something, you know, we need to medicate them. Um, and then in a prison setting, you know, prisoners may act a certain way if they're being watched. It kind of reminds me of the panopticon that Michel Foucault talks about as far as inmates acting the way that they're supposed to because they think they're being watched. And then it kind of triggers a, I guess, snowball or a ripple effect onto everyone else you know you don't want to act bad just in case they're watching even if you don't know if they're watching from that tower um, so those larger structures will affect how people are acting you know in the micro level I guess and so to further that point it kind of the theory that I think of is symbolic interaction because it's more at the micro level um, where people construct and kind of their experiences change in how they're interacting with each other, with their settings, with their surroundings. You know, people learn uh, different behaviors, patterns, how to deal with problems based on how they're interacting with one another. So watching people maybe in like school settings, like I said, hospitals, prisons, can all be part of that uh, theory, you know, how are they interacting based on their surroundings, on what they're seeing, on how other people are acting. Um, I think that is a theory that would probably apply to this chapter the most. 
Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. I hope that made a little bit of sense. Have a good day.